Hey, hello! This is Professor Game, where we interview successful practitioners of games, gamification, and game thinking who bring us the best of their experiences to get ideas, insights, and inspiration to help us in the process of getting students to learn what we teach. And I'm Rob Alvarez. I work at IE Business School Publishing, where we create interactive and engaging learning materials. Hey, so today we have Scott Hebert, and he is a passionate and dedicated teacher who has taught K-12 physical education as, as well as grade 7th and 8th sciences for the past eight years. He's in a mission to rid the stereotype that school is boring and loves to challenge the traditional approaches to education via gamification. He also aims to be innovative in his constantly challenging himself to put new practices into play. He has a recent, uh, he, well, sorry, he was a recipient of the 2013 Alberta Excellence in Teaching Award and the 2015 Gamification of Education Project of the Year internationally. So, Scott, are you prepared to engage? Absolutely. I'm ready to press start and let's get going. <laughs> let's do this. So, Scott, my first question is, what does a regular day with Mr. Hebert look like? Um, actually, it's kind of hard for me to answer that, but I guess there's kind of two different days that I do. I have uh, in my classroom, it's a big giant uh, medieval themed RPG uh, that the kids participate in. And what happens throughout that is we either have tutorial days or questing days. Uh, tutorial days are days that I teach. Uh, so the kids come in, I use the software called Pear Deck, which is like this interactive uh, teaching uh, software that mirrors my screens on their devices kind of go through some content and kind of the more exciting day that we have uh, is called questing and questing is when they meet different characters who need their assistance they uh, uncover secrets disarm traps any kind of game context thing you can think of um, that's all webbed into the curriculum so they might be you know buying resources to build furniture so that they're their camp where they do their work is more comfortable to fighting a monster on my battle board via trivia to, you know, performing experiments to prove uh, that a fraud uh, is, I guess, lying to them and, and, you know, things like that. So it, it's kind of difficult for a typical day, but I guess you could say that we're, we're kind of in one of those kind of areas. <laughs> but that's fantastic. And it sounds very exciting. It was a very, very nice description of what your your day looks like, especially in your classes, and that's that's why engagers that that's why we have Scott here because he is definitely applying gamification and games in his classroom, and we want to learn we want to learn a lot from you, Mister Hebert, as he as he calls himself on the internet. So now we want to shift a bit, uh, Scott, because we want to know what was. Uh, what we would call your favorite failure or your favorite time that maybe something that you failed at and even giving your class and using gamification, which probably led you later to a, a big success and to the success that you have today using gamification in your classroom. Oh, absolutely. There's one that jumps immediately to the top uh, of the list of this. Um, so I've tried all kinds of things in my classroom. Um, uh, the thing that I think First of all, in education that I love is I love failure in education. I think that too often education promotes perfection. So kids are too afraid to fail. Uh, and I'm just all about you want to try something 100 times. You know, I'm not that teacher that doesn't allow retests or redos. So my favorite was I actually had a, a former student a few years ago um, who was, you could say, labeled by his peers as kind of like 
not smart and lazy and like these kind of, of things. And because of all that, uh, gamification really thrived for him because he was actually not those descriptors. He was actually just bored of traditional education like many kids are. So he came up to me one day and he and he said, you know, I have this idea for the game. He goes, I want to I want to put in a jail. And I said, well, why would you want to put a jail in the classroom? And he goes, you know, for kids who don't appreciate what we're doing in here, you should like be able to put them in this jail in the back of the classroom, which essentially was this like, yeah, it was awesome. There's this like cubicle that he ended up making out of cardboard, but he like cut little bars in it and stuff. And he goes, I want that to be real school. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, put the textbook and the notes and the boring stuff in there. And if a kid is misbehaving or a kid is, is not appreciative of, of what you're doing here, put them in that cubicle and show them what it could be. And I was like, you know what? For, for the expectations that people have of you of education, I said, I'll honor that and let's give it a try. So he built the jail. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Stanford experiment. Yeah. Where, yeah. So that's please, pretty please much. Explain maybe somebody is not completely familiar with Oh, sure. With that. So essentially they, uh, the Stanford experiment, for those who are unfamiliar, is they – they just took regular people and they put them in a jail and they made half of these people jail guards and half of them inmates. And they watched essentially the psychology behind what happened uh, and how they interacted with each other and how they assumed the roles that they were given. And And it was pretty interesting, like how these people started treating each other based on the roles that they were given and things like that. Um, so that's exactly what happened. Uh Students applied, so I have jobs in my classroom, and one of the jobs then became the jail guard. So one of the students applied, or several of the students applied for the jail guard, and we had the interview process, and I picked one per class. I At the, that time, I taught four different grade 8 science classes, uh, so I had 100 gamified students going on. Hmm. And the, the power that the kids exerted uh, through this jail guard is you could see that anything that carried over from you know recess or outside school was brought into the classroom, and kids really, really had a hard time uh, checking their emotions. So kids started to pick on each other and were putting each other in jail for no reason. It became very controversial, and kids were getting kicked out and treated. So we actually had to have this huge debrief. And the really interesting part behind it was the kids were like, how, how do you at your job check your ego? Like, if you don't like someone, how do you not bring that into your teaching and things like that? And it was really cool, all of the growth that came out of the failure of, of trying to have the student run jail in, in the classroom. Wow, that sounds like a fantastic experience. And the good thing is that unlike the <laughs> the the experiment with the jail, nobody got hurt. <laughs> there were, there were exactly. no psychological consequences. So, so it sounds like a very, very powerful learning experience for your kids did you did you ever use the the jail experience again uh no i haven't um because we haven't been able so kids have tried like we've discussed but we can't come up with a way that it becomes a neutral entity in the classroom hmm. so essentially what it becomes again is this like area that you go to if you misbehave and i'm not big on like the misbehaving in class i think that based on the way that I teach kids have kids have days kids have days where they'll like blow off steam so they might have 14 days out of the 
the on average 28 they have in the classroom or, or 25 of the classroom of the month of questing and there's no set time so they walk in and they can work on whatever one that they want so sometimes certain kids will just goof around because they had you know a stressful math class or social class before that and i allow kids to do that from like a mental health perspective so a lot of a lot of the, the quote-unquote bad behaviors of education are seen in my classroom because it's a free-flowing really fluid uh, and dynamic space so we couldn't find a logical way in which to bring that jail in to fit the dynamic of the room without it being kind of this like power trip for kids. <laughs> yeah, interesting. That's very interesting. Just a, a quick follow up on that because from from what you're saying, it sounds like you're you're the teacher who's doing the gamification thing in your in your school. Is that is that the way it's going right now? Yes, yes. absolutely. So you're the pioneer. It sounds great. Scott, we, I, I would like to shift now a bit and and like to know, and we'd like to know what's the biggest challenge that you've faced. Perhaps, of course, it, we would be amazed if it was in your classroom, and we'd love it. But what's the biggest challenge that you've faced and solved using using gamification? Uh, well, I always kind of refer to it as this. I think that there's, and even when I do presentations and when I did my my TED talk and everything about this subject, I really think that there's an engagement crisis in education. We, we throw technology at kids and we expect them to like learning and love learning and then you, you dust off the textbook that they're using and it was printed 15, 20 years ago. And we wonder as teachers and we wonder as, as a community, well, why are kids not liking school? Oh, they're, they're bored and they're disengaged. And we, we essentially, um, for lack of a better term, we, we, we poop all over kids and we're mad at them all the time. But when you really look at it, they're bored. Like plain and simple, they're bored and they're disengaged. And I kind of really realized this. Um, I'll, I'll try to keep this short because it's kind of a long story. But essentially, I started a, a, as an elementary phys ed teacher. And I think that every teacher, I say this all the time, should experience a year of elementary education because kids in kindergarten and grade one do not hate school. They adore school. They think it's the coolest thing in the world. Like my daughter is four and my son is three. And when they can't go to their preschool, like they're upset, like they just absolutely love it. And you see this passion and this expectation of what education is because it's based on play and fun and centers and discovery, learning and collaboration and all the good, all the good things. As you get older in school, those things are weeded out for more pure, quote unquote, academics. I, and, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Scott, I, yeah. because I, I recently precisely heard, read an article saying that there that there's a they're getting big right now and introducing back play and those things, but in like the lower grades, the younger ones. So, so maybe that's, that's the experience that you're having and, and your kids, but I'm, I'm not sure everybody's having that experience regretfully. I mean, that, that play is, is certainly something that every, every single research is pointing to. That's the best way for kids to learn. So, so never forget about that, um, about that experience. I mean, what, what Scott is saying right now, and sorry to, again to interrupt, but it's very, very powerful. And, and not only that they're, they're very engaged and they're very happy to, to go to school, but I'm sure it also has consequences on how they learn and how much they learn and what they are, their capacity to learn through those classes. So, so please continue, Scott. No, and, and that's absolutely true. There's a, a book I read early in my career, really short, easy read. The author escapes me, but it's called Even Bad Guys Have Birthdays. It was written by a kindergarten teacher who had experience in kindergarten, I think, for 20 plus years. 
And it explains all of the dynamics of learning that she witnesses in her kids um, in in the ages uh, of kindergarten. Um, so she'll like read a book and then she'll watch the kids later in stations interact that book, but on a deeper level and, and make these, you know, connections between bad guys and good guys and, and helping and, and, you know, hurting people and these kinds of things. So education then pries that away. It, you, you go from like big table groups and stuff to quiet rows and textbook and worksheet after worksheet. So we had a kind of a family medical emergency that caused me to move. So we ended up moving to a different community and I was hired from the kindergarten age to grade eight, which a lot of people view as one of the more difficult years to teach because of <laughs> raging hormones and kids finding themselves and discovery of cell phones and social media and all these things. Um, so I got to this grade eight science program and the kids just could care less. I was running around excited about science and, and all these different kinds of things. And it didn't seem to matter what I did, how I said it, how I did it. The kids just didn't care. And the kids that cared didn't care about science. They cared about getting a good grade because they were worried about their parents' reaction. And I said, do I I really want to add to this mentality of education? Or I said, can I really change it? So because it was new, I did the first year in kind of a traditional approach and made it as engaging as I could. But once I knew the curriculum, I I took the approach of gamification uh, starting in 2004, what is it, 18? Yeah, so I started planning in 2014 and implemented in 2015. And I was one of the first people that I know of to do what I did. So I really wanted to to crack the engagement crisis that I really viewed, and it's been absolutely transformational. I've seen grades go up an average of 10 to 15%. I've had extreme cases where kids failed science in grade seven uh, in the 40s and have passed my program in the 90s the following year. Um, I get emails and tweets and messages from parents about like, I don't know anything that my kid does at school except your class. You know, w- you know, we have to rearrange doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, so they don't miss science. You know, like, so it, the whole notion that school is boring to these kids was what I wanted to solve. And by, by making it play-based and experiential and trial and error and encouraging risk-taking and all of these words that we toss around in education, like grit and failure and perseverance, but we never actually do anything with it. So we're always like, oh, kids need to be more, ha, demonstrate more grit and more determination and more this and more that. But okay, well, how are you doing it in your classroom? Well, I'm not sure. So I wanted to make sure that the gamification wasn't a buzzword in my class. It was a thing. And, so, so, so and there, I, uh, I wanted to make you a quick question because yeah, sure. I, I'm sure that the kids are super engaged. And I, I actually know, should know the answer to, to the question, but I, I want to make sure that we're, we're, that the audience also gets this answer because you're, you're a guy who's actually experienced it day to day in your classroom. And the question is quite simple. Of course, they're engaged, but are they actually learning as well? Yeah, absolutely they are. And that, and that was one of the things that a lot of people question me about is, you know, it's, it's fun and games and, you know, the kids are, the kids are doing all this and, and, you know, creating all these things, but are they really retaining it? And the answer quite simply is yes. Yes, Um, period. (laughs) Because, because they're so involved and, and like there are certain classes where I don't even speak to the kids. They come in, 
they go right to their tasks and they want nothing to do with me. So I've shifted from teacher to guide essentially. Fantastic. And, and, and the, the, the incredible part about it is that, well, it's not a silver bullet. You're always going to have kids who's, home life or you know whatever is is so upside down that school is just the last priority no matter how engaging you make it so you know there's been challenges with students periodically here and there but i would say probably 99 percent of, of kids that have gone through this program which number wise right now is about 420 i would guess are are just like they go to next levels and they're like oh we missed the way this is we miss this type of learning. We miss this type of, 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 of teaching because they're like, we remember it because we did it and we were engaged in it. We were just told. Yep. And Absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Scott, and this relates very much to the, to the next question. Um, the, I was going to ask you about whether you think or not that this, that you're doing is actually scalable to other schools, to other teachers, etc. So, the question is that I normally do is what's the process that you follow to, to apply this gamification in your class? And I would like to mix it as well with whether or not you think this is something that somebody else can do. That is not Mr. Hebert. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I've, I've done presentations all over the province or it's my province of Alberta and Canada. Um, and I've been invited now to do some keynotes. Uh, I'll be in Atlanta in July uh, and things like that. So I got the... There's an interesting thing about the, the way a lot of education works is when you work on education time, you have to watch what you what you do. So I would come home and in the middle of the night, I would be planning things and, and you know creating game cards and stuff. And I eventually people started to say, like, well, how do we do this? And, you know, I had these emails back and forth and it got really stressful because I just <laughs> I just couldn't keep up. Um, and ultimately what happened I guess when you talk about scalability uh, in a nutshell is I presented at a, a huge conference that we have here. It's just a teaching convention, you know, 5,000 teachers or something. And I presented in just one of their breakout sessions and uh, the newspaper here came out and their education writer came and approached me after. And he's like, I want to come do a story about your classroom. So it made the front page of the Edmonton Journal, which is a newspaper distributed to hundreds of thousands of people. So when it made that front page, it then made Reddit. Someone shared it on Reddit. And it made the front page of Uplifting News on Reddit. Uh, and then went viral. So I was getting emails from people all over the world saying, how do we do this? Hmm. So last March, I, I went nutso and I wrote a book. Um, so I did three nights of like nine straight hours fueled by coffee and energy drinks while my kids went to bed. And I, and I wrote a book called press start to begin. Uh, and it is a complete guide about how to do what I do. Um, full of templates, full of exemplars, full of things you can fill out, but I didn't want to just do a book. I wanted to do something that was immersive to the reader. So it's actually a choose your own adventure and it's gamified itself. You follow the the story of a teacher who discovers this secret letter and you go to this location and you meet a guy named Master Hebes who's me. Because uh, that's, that's actually what the kids named me in the game, which was kind of neat. Um, so I'm Master Hebes. And then you go through this series of training with him. Um, and... It, there's like a Twitter game built into it. There's interactive pieces. There's examples of everything that I do. There's photocopy things you can do uh, if you're in education templates, like I said. Um, so 
in essence, if I could give anyone advice about about how to do this, there's kind of a, just a couple simple steps. Number one is what are you passionate about? Because most people, when they see what someone's doing, they want to replicate what they did. So people who have done what I do, they do the medieval theme like I did. But I grew up playing a game called Diablo, which was this click-based RPG. You know, you killed skeletons, pick up their armor, gold. And I loved it. So it reminded me so much of my childhood that I tried to replicate the content of that into my science class. And because I know that topic inside and out, it was easy for me to make all these connections back and forth. I knew what to create. I knew how to create missions. I knew the wording. I knew the language. So it was simple. A lot of people then start medieval and they're like, well, what did you do this? What did you do this? And I said, well, what do you actually know? And like, oh, I'm super passionate about music. I'm super passionate about archaeology, whatever it was. And I said, then that's the, that should be the theme of your game. So first thing is, what do you know a lot about and, and what could you connect to your curriculum? The second thing is, don't worry about the content forcing, forcing things uh, content-wise and curriculum into the theme. Just make it flow naturally. So when you do this kind of flow, think about uh, writing a, mo uh, a movie script. So typical work is a worksheet or read this and answer this question. So I said, well, instead of a book, why don't you meet people? So they meet people and the people are like, oh, my God, we need your help because here's the situation. And then they actually use their science skills to solve the problems or help out these people or, or like I said, things like that. And that becomes really immersive because it's like watching a movie or reading a book. You actually begin to care about these people because what the kids don't know is annually I have like ethical ties. So if you ignore the kid who's crying in the field and choose not to do that mission, the bad guys might recruit him later and you might have an additional task to do later in the year. He might track he might track you down and say, you ignored me, now I'm getting my revenge and you have to do another trivia-based thing from months ago. Um, so so once you have a theme and you have a flow, what you just start doing is start connecting you, your curriculum and your content to your theme. So I just always say do, do almost like a matching. What do you do in your classroom normally? Okay, I have tests, I have worksheets, I have, you know, this and that. And then you make all of on the left. And you say, well, what are the what are the key things about what I the theme I want to choose? So for mine, medieval, I was like, we well, have monsters, battle armor, weapons, and then I just started connecting what I do to what I wanted to do, uh, just like a simple matching. So I was like, okay, well, battles, I do tests. Well, that we can have the monster be what you're battling instead of points, it becomes health. So every time you get a question right, you swing your weapon at the monster, and if you're right, he loses health. If you defeat him, he drops loot. So I just started going through this procedure, and I just started linking things together. And then the third thing is like, I just started salvaging garbage from all over the place. I'm not even shy to admit it. I went in dumpsters, and I found broken things, and I refurbished them because we don't really have a lot of money for this. Like, there's no budget for this, okay. and I'm not, I'm not not rich by any sense of the imagination stuff. <laughs> so. So I'd go to construction sites and I'm like, hey, guys, can I have this scrap wood? Can I have this scrap metal? Can I borrow this? Can I have this? I went on buy and sell groups. I went on uh, tabletop gaming sites and uh, in the local community. And I was like, hey, this is what I'm doing. And they were like, this is so cool. We'll give you this. These are extra pieces. And I just turned my classroom into uh, a medieval lair. Wow. Uh, uh, so I just wanted to create that environment that was immersive. So if anyone wants to do this, you don't have to start as big as I did. I would always say, like even like I say in my book, start really, really small. I helped a kindergarten teacher uh, scale down what I did by simply, I said, walk into your classroom and and what is one thing your kids know? And she's like, oh, they know this coffee mug. I always drink from it. 
And I always talk about it as a gift. And I said, perfect. That goes missing on Monday. And she's like, what? And I'm like, okay. So Monday, she, I'm like, you just got to act, you know, oh, have you guys seen my mug? And she started acting and playing it up. And the kids now, all of a sudden, you know, these four and five year old kids were just like, oh my God, where's our teacher's mug? This is unbelievable. We got to find it. So then she started putting clues out that related to the content. So all of a sudden the kids came back from recess and in the reading circle carpet area, there was an envelope, you know, with the cutout letters from the newspaper. That was a clue to where it was, but it tied to the content. So she picked a word from her word wall and that was the emphasis of the lesson to decipher what, what do you think that word means in this clue? And, and, you know, there were numbers they had to add together that led to room codes and eventually the kids solved the, solved it just by flowing basically through curriculum with no worry at all. Wow. Um, and, That's fantastic. And, and we designed it so that it was the principal and the principal was in on it and they stormed the office one day and, and the principal was drinking from the mug and the kids, you know, kids were so proud of themselves that they solved it. And so it, it doesn't have to be a huge scale like I did. Like I would advise people not to start the way I did because there was a huge learning, learning curve for me. Um, so if you start small, get the kids engaged and then to have discussions with them, you know, Hey, what if we did this longer? What are certain things that you would want? The more you involve kids in the process, the more that they'll just be on a hook, line and sinker. That's fantastic, Mr. Scott Hebert. So I, I want to, first of all, um, we're, we're arriving to the second part of the interview and this is, is the part of quick answers, but before actually getting into that, I would like to give a shout out to your kids. We've been listening to them for a while. So I, I wanted to acknowledge that they're around and say, you can say hello from, from on the behalf of the engagers over here. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and now get into the, to the first question, which is if, if there's any best practice that you could name for, for using gamification in the classrooms, there's there something that you say, well, this is the kind of thing that, that should be done in, in a classroom to, to use gamification. I don't really think there's, there's a specific one because all classrooms are different, right? All, all curriculum is a bit different. All content is a bit different depending on where you're from and all that kind of thing. So, um, I don't think that there's like a best way to do it. I think that you can really morph any common goal or, or any curricular goal via gamification. Um, if you have kids who are reluctant to study, you can definitely have studying that works really, really well for, you know, uh, or gamification processes that works really, really well for people to, um, um, oh, I'm just going to shift upstairs really quick because the, kid, the kids have just seen my wife and <laughs> now they're excited. <laughs> so this will be a little bit quieter. Um, but anyway, so it's one of those things where, like I said, if you, you know you have kids who are reluctant to study, well, if you create a game, so for example, I've taken the Jenga board game and uh, I've turned it into a review game called Tumbling Tower. I actually have a YouTube channel I forgot to mention. If you just search Master Heebs on YouTube, and I have a lot of tutorials about the step by step about how to do it that kind of tie really well with the book. Um, so you could use like a review game via gamification to encourage kids to study or. If you've got kids who are really, you know, they're not meeting deadlines, you know, so I guess there's no real best practice. The best practice depends on what you, the, the ultimate goal is in your classroom. I'm just going to push you a little bit on this one. Um, maybe what I'm, uh, what, a, what a best practice could be. I'm not saying this is the one that you could say, but you could say maybe using a theme could be a best practice or maybe using a story could be a best practice. Is there, is there something, because of course, 
nothing's going to work exactly the same way for eighth grade classrooms than for uh, oh okay than for sorry okay university sorry, sorry. i don't know business so but but is there anything that you find that that could work of course with this, its adaptations in, in different environments that you think okay could be reproduced yeah ab in, absolutely absolutely so 100 for me it's theme I am a huge proponent of theme. If you're going to walk into a classroom that's gamified and you're going to say, guys, we're in this medieval land and we're we're trying to rescue you because you've been captured and blah, blah, blah. And then your classroom lists brick and mortar and desks in a row. The kids can't get into that proper mindset. It's difficult. So I think theme is a massive, massive proponent. Now, sorry, I understand your question <laughs> better no now. So when it comes to that, that, basics, that basis of theme, I think that that if you can create the environment and sell it to kids and and you know like like the the whole adage of being kind of that greasy used car salesman you have to sell 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 this to kids and once they bite on you don't have to do anything because they'll run the show. Hmm. So my kids have decorated the classroom I've brought some stuff in they were like oh my god this wall's blank here I've got this perfect thing and like all of a sudden they just start creating the environment because they start imagining what it could be themselves. So I think theme is huge because it's easy to connect. Kids are so easy to, like I said, watch watch a movie, read a book, you know, follow someone on on social media, and you you become immersed in it. So if your theme is immersive, you can get them to do to do pretty much anything and push them out of their comfort zone. Fantastic! Thanks for that, Scott. The next question is: What's your favorite game? Uh, in what context? <laughs> Whichever you choose. <laughs> Um, I don't know. You mentioned Diablo. It could be Diablo if if that's yeah. I, I guess yeah. Like I just have this, these memories of a kid of playing this Diablo game with my dad, and it's just one of those things that that's always been a favorite of mine. Hmm. Um, I am obsessive right now because it's just like Diablo of this new uh, mobile game uh, that came out in August called Last Day on Earth, which is essentially a zombie survival game. And uh, <laughs> I love and, that that kind of games. I'm, I'm yeah, an so, absolute fan of survival zombie games. Yeah, so this one's awesome. It's just it's really simple. It's mobile. It's very similar to Diablo. You just walk around killing zombies, picking up stuff, and building things. And yeah, I'm and I've been trying. Actually, the the cool part about this gamification thing is once you start it and it starts to work, like you just become fully immersed in it. And uh, the incredible part is is I've been using things that that are in this zombie game that I play to connect to my classroom so sometimes kids will see me playing the zombie game and they're like what are you doing gaming and i'm like i'm not gaming i'm doing professional development right now <laughs> i'm <laughs> studying yeah exactly and all of a sudden they're like what's this i'm like see remember when i was playing that game that's from the game right and i started to make these connections so yeah i'm a big fan of, of games like that <laughs> that's fantastic um scott is there anybody that you would like to have uh, interviewed here in professor game um, I was peeking through your website. I think you've already interviewed. Um, oh my gosh, I'm losing his name <laughs> from Gamified UK, Andre. Andre, he's he's yeah. on the list, but he hasn't been interviewed, so he can oh, be on the list. Yeah, he's a must. Um, he's just so phenomenal. He he helped me with a lot of of different things. Uh, super great guy. Um, yeah, Yukai Chu. Andre is completely Chu. awesome, and Yukai as well. Yeah. Yeah, um, those guys are just part of their like reading their content um, and their blogs and things like that, and some of their their talks are what help fuel the way I do my classroom. So yeah, they're they're definitely you know they're the gurus. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, Yukai was episode one, and Andre is hopefully 
near on the list now. Perfect. Um, is there any book that you would like to recommend to our listeners, especially in the context of gamification? How about mine? My my book's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that, that one's okay. Um, there, the even Ninja Monkeys like to play by Andre uh, is a fantastic book. It's short. It's sweet. It's easy to follow. Um, and it really dives a bit deeper into the gamification without losing the context. So one thing that I found is I bought a whole pile of books about gamification when it started. And to be frank, I'm not going to name drop them, but they were terrible. <laughs> they were so academic and so deep and they made no sense. But they were called field guides and they were called, you know, learning manuals. And, and that's what that's what fueled me in writing my book was what is something that is easy to read that you could pick up and just follow step by step and create your gamified classroom. So I wanted to do a lot of the work for people. So that's where mine came from. Um, the one that uh, that really, really helped in the, in the essence uh, was a book by, oh, probably another good interview would be Lee Sheldon. Uh, he's one of the pioneers in, he's one of the pioneers in gamification in the classroom. He was a game he taught a game design course and he thought, well, what better way to teach game design than to have the course be a game itself at the, at the uh, university college level. And, uh, he had, he wrote a book called the multiplayer classroom, yeah. which is phenomenal. That was a, a great book as well. Fantastic. And then the next question I would like to ask you is what do you consider is your superpower when designing gamification for your classroom? I'm relentless. And that's what people will tell <laughs> I like I will work till two in the morning, like without hesitation. Um, I I'm zero fear of failure completely. Like I will, like I said, I, the whole jail experience, you know, we've tried uh, having black markets and auctions and like, we've just, there's been so many things that I'll just try if kids want to try it because I want it. We talk about again, like those buzzwords where you got to, you ought to have kids who aren't afraid to fail. And I'm like, well, do you reflect that as a teacher? Well, no, I have to make sure that I'm the, I'm like, well, then you can't expect kids to be <laughs> not afraid to fail. If you're as rigid as a, you know, as a two by four in, in your, in your approach. So I'm so just go with the flow fearless. I'm just going to try it. And whatever happens, happens in the end of the day, we're going to get through the content. However, we decide to do it. So <laughs> I, 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 think I heard that, an expression recently about about the, that being relentless and, and the fear, and it's uh, in the end, at some point and in, in, in different ways, everybody gets to feel the fear. But those who are who are called fearless in a way are those that feel the fear but do it anyway. So so I would definitely recognize your your capacity to to push through that completely. Perfect. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, Scott, um, we're reaching the end of the interview, and I want to, to know if you have any any final quick advice for for the engagers, especially for those who have never done this in their in their classroom, who have never used gamification in their classroom. What would you tell them? I would tell them that we uh, education has been the same since its inception. It really has been. All that we've done is we've updated content. And then we have got better technology. So I don't know how many classrooms I've seen or, or, you know, viewed videos on YouTube where they're apparently supposedly incredible people, but they're just throwing iPads at kids hmm. and throwing tablets at kids. And they're like, look at the, how amazing this, this stuff is. 
and they're actually not creating that deep connection. The cool part about gamification, honestly, for anyone who's willing to try it, is the level of engagement that you get with kids and the amount of creativity and problem solving that, that they pull out of stuff uh, is, is absolutely mind-blowing. Like, I've received things that I would have never thought possible, I could have never even dreamed of uh, creating these, these type of assignments or content, but the kids... When you give when you give up control of your classroom to kids, and and like I said, you're not worried. You're not you're not worried about that failure or that fear consuming you because it's 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 non traditional. Your classroom will just flourish, and I think that that's what's been the incredible thing is out of the you know all these teachers that have, have you know bought my book or followed my YouTube and tried this and have emailed me. They've said it's they'll never teach a different way because the amount of of control that they give to the kids and the in turn the amount that is reciprocated back to the teacher is is so powerful in their classroom and they you know the collaboration and the the teamwork and the creativity and the the pushing out of their comfort zone and and things like that is just so different than your standard rose there's a a wicked quote by a guy named John Dewey who was an education critic in the early 1900s. And I thought it was super cool because in 1917, he said, if we teach today as we taught yesterday, we rob kids of tomorrow. And he said that in, in 1917. Wow. And when you, when you really think about it, education hasn't changed. Since then. You can, <laughs> right, exactly, right? You can walk into any classroom anywhere in the world and 9.9 .9 times out of 10, you're going to find rows, you're going to find cheesy motivational posters. You're going to find silence, order, regime. And you go to any CEO or any successful person and you say, is this what you want your employees and your innovators to be? And they would say, of course not. Hmm. So my goal as a teacher, ultimately, if for anyone who does gamification, especially uh, anyone who teaches sciences, is most of our scientific discoveries that can be done with just base fact are finished. The yeah. big discoveries we have now are this like using information in a creative way, in an innovative way. You know, I always like to say, you know, to people 50 years ago, if I said we were going to develop microscopic nano robots that could swim through your blood and, you know, they would think that you're absolutely insane. But that's real technology that's being developed now because someone wasn't afraid to say that, hey, this is something that I think we can do. And and traditional education, in my humble opinion, squashes that. Mm -hmm. It's very much what does the book say? Write it down on paper. Yeah. Move on. Memorize. And, ex exactly, right? I, I once ran into a student years ago in my career, or, or a parent, I should say, that was frustrated because where I'm from is from Sudbury, Ontario, and it's known for nickel, mining town. And a question on a test was about that community. They're like, what is Sudbury known for? And the student wrote minerals and got it wrong because <laughs> the teacher wanted them to write nickel. Nickel, yeah. And this is the, that's the concept of education is that what, is, what does it look like? It looks exactly like this. Yeah. And it's so a bit sad my, in, in many ways, it is right. And, and that's something that I'm a huge pusher of is to break that, you know, so I'll have so many people that will come up and criticize what I do because at first glance, it doesn't look like learning because 
at first glance, it's not rose, it's not quiet, it's not order. You walk in, you got two kids building furniture in one corner, one, you know, couple people playing in my tabletop game with trivia, a few people in the back, you know, just talking and planning, a couple people drawing or whatever. And, and people just can't handle the fact that my classroom is, is so loose and structured. So different. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's, anyone. That's what we've been taught, Scott. So, so. But that's it. Right? That's what we so, have to change. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Well, Scott, uh, I would finally like to, to, to ask you where, which are the ways that we can connect with you. You've been mentioning quite a few throughout the interview, but this is a place so everybody can refer to your, whatever your, your webpage, Twitter, whatever you want to mention or, or, or all of them. Yeah, sure. So um, I have a website where everything is linked. Um, so it's just my name. It's just Mr. Hebert, H-E-B-E-R-T. And the key part here is it's .org, not .com. <laughs> someone, someone bought .com, and it's super creepy art site. So that is not me. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. If you go to mrheber.com, I am uh, .org. Um, uh, I have a YouTube channel called Master Hebs. If you just look that up, just Master and then H-E-E-B-S. Again, kids name me in the game. That's my game character avatar uh, in the game. So... Uh, you can find me there on Twitter and on um, Instagram. I'm at Mr. Hebert PE. What else do I have? I've got my book. I've got my book that I wrote uh, again. It's called Press Start to Begin. It's on Amazon and on my website. And you have the Facebook yeah. group called The Gamification Guy. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, my goal is to be a lot more active on those platforms than I have been. I'm pretty active on Twitter. Um, I had some medical things happening in December that kind of took a lot of my time but if everything is all clear in this coming week then i'll be back at it uh creating more videos and more content and things um there's also a hashtag i use on social media called uh, on twitter i should say called game my class um where the community that i'm building um kind of shares ideas there it's small but growing um fantastic so Fantastic. So, yeah, I got all, all kinds of places. <laughs> Thank you very much for taking the time to, to speaking with us, Scott. And we'll call it game over. Sounds good to me. Thanks for playing. Thank you for listening to Professor Game Podcast. If you enjoyed this interview with Scott Hebert, please give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes or Stitcher or whichever app you're using to listen to us. Before you move on, would you like to know how Marigo Raftopoulos takes lessons from daily life into her gamification design? Well, then listen to the next episode of Professor Game. See you there.